0: In other words, they literally denied by their character, their conduct and their creed. According to verse four, they denied that Jesus was the Messiah. Jude said that God's attitude toward false teachers was displayed by great judgment. And he pointed To God's attitude in uh, his judgment of believing individuals, angels, sinful communities. Jude, in verse 8, gives a description of these false teachers. He said these false teachers were immoral, insubordinate, and irreverent. And then Jude goes on to say in verse 11 that these false teachers directly disobeyed God and that they were influenced or they influenced others to disobey God. And therefore they led the rebellion against God. God And he begins to talk about these false teachers, verse 11, verse 12, verse 13. And he begins to uh, use certain analogies of these false teachers. And then he noted that the false teaching existed in ancient times. In the Old Testament, he goes back, takes us back to the Old Testament. He says, back in the old days, there was false teachers as well. And don't forget and be in. Be, uh, 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 be notified. I want you to stand guard because if there were false teachers in the old times, remember there will be false teachers in the present and there will always be false teachers in the future. And then he begins to close his letter. And he said to the believers as he closes in verse 20 and verse 21, he begins to tell the believers... To avoid these false teachings. And he tells them to grow spiritually in doctrine, prayer and obedience and in hope. And then he tells them in verse 22 and verse 23. To the believers to help others avoid false teaching. By reaching out to those who are confused and convinced. Those who are committed to Christ are to help those who are weak. The letter of Jude, as I mentioned already, deals with the subject of false teaching. And I believe that false teaching is one of the greatest dangers of the church today. These false teachers who come and pervert the doctrine of Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to focus on the false teaching. Today, I would like to read in verse 24 and verse 25, what we call a doxology. So if I were to title this uh, this morning, I would just simply call it Jude's doxology. At the end of this letter, Jude writes this doxology and doxology is a word that simply means An act of expression of praise to God. An expression of praise to God. That's what a doxology is. You know, doxologies are very common in scripture. Usually they come at the end of the epistle. Sometimes they come in the middle of the epistle. But the doxology usually is divided into two parts. The first part addresses to the one being praised. Who is going to be praised in this doxology? Remember, doxology is an expression of praise. In the Bible, it is an expression of praise to God. So the first part of the doxology, it divides us and tells us who is going to be praised. In this case, God. And it, then it includes in uh, the first part of the doxology, gives us reasons of why God should be praised. Why should we offer God praise? That's the first part of the doxology. The second part of the doxology is the expression of praise itself. So the first part tells us who we are going to be praised and why should we praise. And then the second part of the doxology, as we discover this morning, it is the praise itself. So in Jude's closing doxology, verse 24 and 25, we find this letter to be closing on a very high note. Now, sometimes when we read these things, we're, we're about to finish and we're excited because we're about to finish and we read it really fast and we like what it says, and, but we don't appreciate the words of the doxology. And this morning, I'd like to examine every single word if we, time permits us. As Jude closes on a very, very high note. Where he expresses faith and hope to God. Let's read. It says, now to him who is able. Can you say able? Okay, I think there's more than three people here this morning. Now to him who is able. Say able. To keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the present Of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior. Who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty. Dominion and power. Both now and forever. Amen. Can you say amen? Jude comes to the end of this letter with an inscription of praise. And he gives us the person to whom praise should be given to. And I want you to notice in that first part of verse 24, he says, to whom who is able. Can you say able? I like this. To whom is able? You know, in the New Testament, three times this kind of praise is given to God. The God who is able. I like that. In Romans chapter 16, verse 25, Paul gives praise to the God who is able to strengthen us. God is the one person who can give us a foundation for our life, which nothing and no one could ever shake. In verse 25 of Romans 16, he says, Now to him who is able... To establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. According to whom is able. To him who is able. God is able. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Paul gives praise to God. The God who is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. He says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that all we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. And again in Jude we find the same inscription to whom Or to who is able. He is the God who is able. How many know and have experienced God as the God who is able? He is able to do anything. He turns the impossible to possible. We serve the God or we praise the God and to him who is able. Able. And here Jude offers his praise to the God who is able. He is the God whose grace that no man has ever exhausted, on whom no claim can ever be too much. In other words, you cannot outrun God's grace. God is able. If you have been a Christian for any length of time. You undoubtedly know someone who once claimed to be a Christian, but now no longer makes such a claim. There are, in fact, many people like this, where they claim to be Christians at one time, but now they are... Into Scientology. Or they believe in a different kind of creation. If you may interpret it into that way. They make no profession that they're Christian anymore. In fact, they might even deny Christianity itself. And I find it discouraging to see people Profess faith in Christ one day and then the next day deny Him. And some questions come to my mind. How do we know that we shall continue to be Christians throughout our lives? How do we know that one day we'll find ourselves just like them? What is our assurance? The second question that comes to my mind is, is there anything that will keep us from falling away from Christ? And the last question that I would ask, is there any possibility that we will turn away from Christ and lose the blessing of salvation? Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. But Jude tells us, the God who is able to keep you From stumbling. I like that. Let me explore that for. For a couple of minutes. And let's see this God. Who is able to keep us from slipping. The word is. Epistos. Where we get apostate from. It is used. Both for a sure-footed horse which does not stumble and a man who does not fall into error. I like that. You know, the horse, they put on the horse shoes on the hooves and that helps the horse uh, reach some stability of some sort that it may not stumble during the ride. It may not slip. You know, the Old Testament often speaks specifically on the power of God. In Psalm 121, the Lord is compared to a divine watchman who concerned is to keep watch over his people. And while we live our earthly lives, the words keep, keeps, and keeper are used six times in Psalms 121, especially in verses three to eight, six times. Keep, keeps, or keeper. In verse three, the New King James Version states that he is God will not allow your foot to be moved I like that. A newer version says he will not let your foot slip. God is able to keep you and me from slipping. I like that. The young people would use. God is able to use. God is able to keep us from slacking it. From falling down. Have you ever slipped and fell? When you slip, you lose your footing. You lose traction. Whether there's sand underneath or where there's water underneath, it causes us to lose our traction. But Jude reminds us that if we walk with God, God is able to keep you and me from slipping. Yeah, we're going to fall sometimes. We're gonna get back up. What Jude is referring to is to fall and not get back up. That's what they called in the olden days a backslider. One who was walking with Christ, but he allowed sin to come in again and overtake him, and it was so consumed with sin that he went back to the world. The Bible teaches us that when we come to Christ, we're not going to be perfect. But God is working in us so that he may perfect us. But we're still going to fall once in a while. But this is not the kind of falling that Jude is referring to. Jude is referring to a complete rejection of Christ. That you will go back in the world and live as you lived when you were in the world. Rejecting Christ as the Messiah. He is able to keep you from stumbling. God is able, can you say able? Able to keep you from stumbling. The reassuring words in this letter, Jude writes us. In verse one of Jude, he says, we are preserved in Christ. I like that word, preserved. He says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to, whose, who, to, who, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. So he f- starts with Jesus preserving us and he finishes that God is able to keep us from stumbling and they go hand in hand. In other words, what does this mean? Our faith must cooperate with God's power. If we are to keep from stumbling, we got to have faith that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly things that we could ask for or think for. He can do far beyond what you and I could ever imagine. Jude exhorts in verse 17, remember the words spoken before. In verse 20, Jude says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. In verse 20, he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. And he begins to give us in his letter, what is going to keep you from stumbling? What is going to keep you and me from going back to the world? And he says, remember the words that I've told you before. And then he says, build yourselves in your most holy faith. And then he says, pray in the Holy Spirit." In verse 21, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And in verse 21, he says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And he gives us five basic things and practices that you and I need to do so that God can do his part in keeping us from going back to the world. I like that. If we continue in faith, if we continue uh, being exhorted by the word of God, we know that God is able to keep us from falling. God's ability. God's ability and power is far enough for us that we may not go back. Now, let me deal with this word Preserve. What does preserve mean? Well, if you like jelly. You understand there's. Something that they make called preserved, right? But what does that mean? Well, in order for me to understand what preserved means, I need to know what preserved does not mean. Looking at. Biblical teaching regarding being preserved. Let us consider what is not. Perseverance does not mean that Christians are free of all danger because they are just Christians. I want you to know that. Just because we're Christian, it doesn't mean that we're free from the dangers of going back to the world. I want you to understand that because some people that have gone back to the world, they didn't understand this and they didn't take heed to the warnings. Hey, you know what? You can lose Your salvation, there's a possibility that you can lose your salvation. There's no such doctrine in the Bible that I find once saved, always saved. People think that coming to faith in Christ will somehow make all their troubles go away. If somebody told you coming to Christ will make life Easier. Or it'll be easy to be a Christian. I don't know who told you that. But if you're. In God's camp. You become the enemy of Satan. But the Bible says that. God is able to preserve us. Means that God will do his part. But. You and I got to do. Our part this prayer of Jesus for his disciples in John chapter 17. Just before he's crucified, he says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. He's speaking of his disciples. I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep, them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. Notice the words Jesus is praying over his disciples. He says, I'm about to leave this place, God. You know, I'm going back to you, but they will continue to struggle in this world. He says, keep them in your name. And Paul writes about this extensively. He says, all those who are in Christ, in Christ tells me that there's a place that I can be in, that I can receive protection because God is able to keep me from stumbling, but I got to do my part. And then he continues reading, uh, praying to the father. He says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just I I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. But that you keep them from the evil one. Notice Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says don't take them out because they got to do their task. But keep them from the evil one. Jesus new that his disciples were going to face opposition from Satan and from the world because they, they weren't going to follow the status quo because God had called them to be in this world but not of this world and to leave all of the worldly desires as 1 Peter states, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And he said, leave all of these things of the world. But Jesus knew... That his disciples were going to face opposition. Let me tell you what. Perseverance is not. Perseverance does not mean that Christians are free from falling into sin. Just because they're Christians. I've heard of Christians going to places that they should not be going to. And they say well I know who I am in Christ. And I'm just there to be there but i'm not actually participating in those things the bible says that god's wrath will be revealed to those who participate in those things and those who even approve of the participation of others in those things so if you're there you're approving of what they're doing so that makes you uh, vulnerable to falling into sin I met some young man, I think about two weeks ago. I think it was at district council. He came they they, they they brought him up to me and he says, yeah, I'm a rapper. I'm a hip hop. I do this. I do that. Uh, I, but I only go and minister to Christians and I do all these things. And he was telling me, he was giving me his resume. And I said, that's great. And then he said something that struck me odd. He said, sometimes God calls me to go to clubs. And I said, what? He says, yeah, but I don't dance and I don't participate with what they're doing there. I go and I preach the gospel and I said, are you sure? You need to be careful. Because just because the Bible tells us that God will preserve us, God will keep us from stumbling. It doesn't mean that you can play with fire. Because the Bible says that if you play with fire, you will get burnt. And don't think you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Albondigah. God will save me in the fire. Well, you know what? They were put in the fire, they weren't asking to be going to the fire. What is not to be preserved? Number three perseverance does not mean that those who merely profess christ without being born again are secure i want to this morning i wanted to clear some thoughts and iron out some wrinkles here because there are those who have began to think that once i'm in christ i'm saved forever there's a possibility that your actions and you allowing Satan to come back in your life, that you're going to slip and stumble, and one day God's grace will not be there anymore, and you will go back to the world. Careful. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, careful. Tell yourself, careful. Because sometimes we need to be reminded of those things. But we think, well, we're in Christ and we go to church. I've heard people say, well, you know what? I can't go to church, but God knows my heart and and he keeps me. And, And I read the Bible at home and I do this. But the Bible says that you should not neglect the gathering together of the believers. Because it is healthy. It is necessary for us to encourage each other. I met a lady one day. She told me she was Christian. I said, oh, you're Christian. That's great. That's good to hear. What church do you go to? She says, oh, I don't go to church. I said, watch <laughs> So h- h- how do you get fed? She says, I have church at my house with myself. You know, today people call that spiritual. It's acceptable in our society. I've heard of people leaving their own church and going to their houses and beginning their own Bible studies, but they're led by someone on television. And they say that they were called out of the church because they need to follow the teachings of a certain man. Be careful. Be careful. Because perseverance does not mean that those who merely profess Christ Without being born again are secure. In John 3.3. Christ says to Nicodemus. Truly truly I say to you. Unless one is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Clearly this speaks of regeneration. Or new birth. That is required for salvation. Now. Now. Why am I saying this? Because it is possible for some people to profess faith and are really not born again. They say, I have faith in God, but they're not born again. Why do I say this? Because I struggle with that in my young life when I was a teenager. 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. I had faith, but I was angry with God. I had faith and I came to church, but I wasn't really born again. Hmm. John 8, 31. We see a warning of those who profess faith. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You can't just do lip service to God. You got to do actually work you got to actually work at this. Your salvation is free, but you got to do your own parts. You got to abide in the word of God. Jesus again said in Matthew 10, but the one who endures in the end will be saved. Everybody starts the race, but not everybody finishes. Jesus is saying this, that the ultimate proof Whether a person is truly born again is that he will preserve to the end. Perseverance. It is possible to be quite close to Christian things and yet not truly be born again. I'm telling you this out of experience. Because I walked the walk and I talked the talk and I dressed like a Christian, but that did not make me a Christian. I was not born again until I understood who Christ was. Now, let me just say this. What is perseverance then? Perseverance means that God will bring those who are born again safely to heaven for all of eternity. Perseverance means that once one is in the family of God, he or she will always be in that family. As long as they abide by the word of God. I conclude with God is able to keep us from stumbling. And say to walk with God is to walk in safety. Even on the most dangerous. And most slippery paths that we may ever go through. Those who climb mountains. They're roped together. So that if. The inexperienced climber should slip. The skilled mountain climber can take his weight and save him. Notice that. It's not wise to climb mountain alone. You need two because there's a counterweight. If I slip his weight and I better take someone of the same weight. So that he could hold me up and I could do the same for him. So. Having said that, when we bind ourselves to God, God keeps us safe. You see that? When we cling to God, God clings to us. And when we let go, God doesn't let go. I like that. The second thing God is able to do In verse 24, God is able to bring us into his presence. Hmm. The nature of the way we think we come into the presence of God was in fear and in shame. But by the work of Jesus Christ and in the grace of God, we know that we can go to God with joy and with all fear having been banished through Jesus Christ God the stern judge has become known to us as God the loving father Hebrews 4:14 4, to 16 says seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And the author of Hebrews says, let us, therefore, there's a hinge there. That word, therefore, is a hinge. Just like to a door that the door Becomes part of the wall that hinges. Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God is able to bring us into his presence. I like that. Sometimes we take advantage of being in the presence of God. But I want you to be reminded today, as Jude reminds us, God is able to bring us into his presence. Number three, God is able to. Present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy. I got to move on quickly. But the goal that is expressed here is faultless. Paul expressed in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, not having spot a wrinkle or any such thing. Then he says, holy and without blemish. That's faultless. Ephesians 5, 27 gives us a, a clear understanding, a clear picture of what it means to be faultless. This is necessary if we are permitted to be in the presence of God. And then it says, with exceedingly or exceeding joy. Without a doubt, in my mind, this will be the condition of those who are blessed by God that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when you begin to experience that joy, that is not Based on your surroundings. But it is based on what Christ. Did at the cross for you and me. You and I will begin to understand. Of his providence. Of his divine providence. God will allow us to experience. More and more. Redemption. As we studied in Romans. A couple of weeks ago. Being justified. God whom he justified he is also to be glorified verse 25 of jude says to god i like that to god god is able to keep you from stumbling Why do we serve God? Because God is able to bring us into his presence. Why do we serve God? Because God is able to present us faultless with exceedingly joy. And then he says to God. "Hmm." And he begins to define who God is. I know time's running low, but I got to share this in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 to 9. God admonishes parents and gives them the responsibility to teach their children. And in verse two, I believe he says, the father will teach his son and his son will teach his son. To the third generation. And he says, in all of this, he says, I want you to teach three things who God is. What God does. And what God requires of us. Let me just... Speak of the first one. I can speak of all three, maybe an hour each, but I'm going to take a few minutes to say who God is. You know, we have to redefine to this generation who God is because right now God can be Buddha. God can be Muhammad. God can be Ali. God can be Allah. God can be your shoes. God can be your car. In India, God can be your cow. And we need to redefine who God is. Who is God? And then Jude says to God, Our savior. I like that. This point. Jude is about to tell us. About this God. After telling us. That he is able. He tells us. Of what God can do. But now he's about to tell us. Of who God is. He said God is our savior. This phrase may be a summary of verse 24 to keep us from stumbling to bring us into his presence faultless with exceedingly joy this is the god who is able our savior and then he says who alone is wise and he sets them apart from any other God that you and I could ever think of. Hinduism has more than a thousand gods, and he separates the God Almighty, the creator of heavens and earth. and he says, "This God that I serve, he's not only my savior, but he is alone wise, all by himself. His wisdom is seen in his ability to keep us from stumbling and present ourselves faultless. Again, the summary of the description found in verse 24. And having described God, Jude proceeds to offer his praise. I like Jude because this is a feature that it is noted in the letter of Jude or the epistle in his love of triplets. And as I studied this, I said, wow, that's that's not a coincidence. He did this on purpose. And I believe the first triplet that we find in Jude suggested to us the triune God, God of three, God in his trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In verse 1, he gives a description of this God. He says... In verse 1, you have been called. And I believe we have been called by the Father. You have been sanctified. And I believe and the scripture teaches us that it is the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us. And he says, you have been preserved by Jesus. There you have the Trinity. In verse 2, he prays for them with triplets. He says, mercy, peace, peace. And love be multiplied to you. Then he gives three examples of God's righteous condemnation. In verse 5 to 8. He talks about the people that he took out of the land of Egypt. In verse 6 he mentions the angels. In verse 7 he mentions the condemnation of Sodom and Gomorrah. Gives us three examples of God's righteous condemnation. In verse 8. He gives us a preliminary description of the ungodly dreamers. He says that they defile the flesh. They reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. In verse 11, he gives us three examples of Old Testament apostates. Those who left their faith, Cain, Balaam, and Korah. In verse 19, he gives us a summary of the description of the ungodly dreamers. These are sensual persons who cause divisions and they don't have the spirit of God in their lives. In verse 21, he gives us a threefold exhortation to his beloved. Now, we find one more triplet. Actually, it's a triplet of doubles. What does that mean? Verse 25, the praise ascribed To God. In verse 24. He tells us. Whom. Deserves the praise. And then he says. Let's praise him. Glory. And majesty. Glory. Is used. To suggest. Dignity and honor. Majesty. Is used. To define greatness. So God is. Is worthy and he is great to receive our praise then Jude seeks to have all glory and majesty given to God he says we should give him all glory in other words we should give him all of our honor And then he says, we should give him all of our majesty. We should declare that God is great. And the second triplet double, he says, dominion and power. You know, dominion means might. It means strength. It means authority. Power. Refers to the authority, the I like this word, the jurisdiction. In other words, God reigns over all things, (laughs) He is powerful. This we see God. And we say God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. Someone asked, Can God create a rock so big that He cannot move? I said, That's a trick question. God can do anything, He could do far, exceedingly, abundantly that you could ever think or imagine in your mind. God is able. And to him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power. And then he finishes a triplet double by saying both now and forevermore. Jude's prayer is that dominion, power, glory, majesty remain God's, not Allah. not Buddha not some man or a man made thing he says dominion and power belong to God glory and majesty belong to God now and forever not just for the present But for all of eternity, God be the glory and majesty, dominion and power. And then with a single word, (laughs) he concludes the doxology by saying, Amen. You know, sometimes we miss that word when we read the Bible that word amen means and so it will be when you say amen you're saying and so it will be I don't see it now but amen means I'm going to see it in the future and even though I don't see it it still is huh even though I don't recognize it, somebody else will. Amen. So it will be, despite the efforts of any turn of grace of our God, into someone to deny Jesus as God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King Amen says that God will bring to him those who remain in Christ. Amen also means that God will bring into judgment those who are ungodly. You know, God will preserve us in Jesus Christ, all who remain faithful to him. I got to repeat this because I don't want you to forget. God will keep you from stumbling. God will keep me from stumbling. God will present you and me as faultless before his presence with exceedingly or exceeding joy. Amen does not only mean so it will be. But it also means and to him will be. What will be to him? All glory, majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore (laughs) so let us enjoy the blessings promised to the faithful that we may heed Jude's call to remember the words spoken before to build ourselves up in our most holy faith to pray in this Holy Spirit and to keep ourselves in the love of God and he will keep you and me from stumbling don't you think God deserves all praise this morning and not only this morning but he deserves our praise Sunday night Wednesday Tuesday Thursday oh I skip Wednesday Friday Saturday when you get up when you lay down, when you eat. In Deuteronomy, he says, you will speak of these things. You will speak of who God is. You will speak of what God does. You will speak these things to your children and you together will develop some kind of worship toward God who is able. Turn to your neighbor and said, God is able to do things man if if we could just grasp this in our mind that god is able to do things that he turned nothing into earth solar system huge trees and mountains and bodies of water and all of these things that out of nothing he created something. Don't you think God deserves all praise? There's a story behind the written song, I Exalt Thee by Pete Sanchez Jr. I don't have time to share that with you because I'd like to end on a note of praise. But he writes, For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. He says, Thou art exalted far above all gods. For Thou, O Lord, art high above in all the earth. And then he repeats, Thou art exalted far above all gods. And then he ends with the chorus, I exalt Thee I exalt thee. I exalt thee, O oh Lord. We listen to the words of the song this morning. meditating in His presence.
1: For thou, O oh Lord, art yes, Above all. above all
0: We worship in the chorus. We may sing together. It's just a simple chorus as we exalt Him, singing, I exalt Him.
1: I I exalt. exalt
0: the word of God and I just want to tell you God is able God is able and that, that, that should be enough to strengthen your faith this morning whatever you're going through God is able to do far above exceedingly abundantly all than you could ever ask or think of but if you have a need this morning I want you to come i want to pray with you and my brothers and sisters are going to help me pray for that need we know that sometimes we have needs sometimes we do get discouraged sometimes we do get sad sometimes we stumble and there's no one to pick us up but i want you to know that god is extending his hand his loving hand filled with grace And he says, "Get up, Mijo. I want, I want to keep you from going back to the things that I brought you out of. Whatever your need is this morning, just come forward. We'd like to pray with you if you have a need. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Do you have a need? Let's pray. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And this morning we're going to declare that God is able. God is able. God is able." Father, we place this needs before your throne. Lord, you are able to bring us into your presence faultless. And we come to a God who is able, the God who turns the impossible to possible, the God of great possibilities, the God who turned nothing into something huge, far greater than we could ever imagine. We come to this God who is able and we ask, Lord, that you work your way through these situations, these needs. And as you work your way through, Father, that you may take them by the hand, that they may not stumble and go back to what you have called them from, out of. Lord. Keep their feet from stumbling. Keep their eyes from stumbling. Keep their hands from stumbling. Keep their minds and their hearts from stumbling, Lord. And we serve a God who is able and we activate our faith this morning by saying amen. For you are worthy of our praise despite of what we go through, despite of who we are. But, Father, we know that we are your children and we can come boldly into your presence. And, Lord, we ask of these needs that you, Lord, the God that is able to do far more what man could ever do or say or think of Father, that you, that your hand Father be clearing away in the name of Jesus empower them with your spirit and preserve them through your son Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus we pray and we thank you and we finish One more time. I exalt thee. Just worship
1: the Lord a few moments.
0: And God's people said, amen. You are dismissed. God bless you.
1: Mereces la gloria y la honra. Levantamos nuestras manos adorándote, Señor. Mereces la gloria y la honra. Levantamos nuestras manos Adorándote, Señor, tú eres rey, maravillas haces tú, no hay nadie como tú, no hay nadie como tú, altísimo, milagroso. Salvador. No.